गुड मॉर्निंग एवरीबाडी आई स्नेग्धा शर्मा आई एम गोइंग टू प्रेजेंट द हिंदू एडिटोरियल डेटेड ट्वेंटी फोर्थ अक्टूबर टू थाउजेंड ट्वेंटी दिस पॉडकास्ट इज फॉर दोज हु डू नॉट हैव टाइम टू रीड न्यूज़ पेपर दैम सेल्स द एनालिसिस ऑफ द एडिटोरियल इज गिवेन ऑन द लास्ट सेगमेंट ऑफ द पॉडकास्ट लेट्स गेट स्टार्टेड हैप्पी प्रिपरेशन The first article of the day is India's UN journey from outlier to the higher table. As a non-permanent UNSC member now, it needs to uphold the charter principles in the backdrop of a turbulent world. This article is written by CSR Murthy. The 75th anniversary of the founding of the United Nations is an opportunity to look at the major trends, patterns and future challenges as far as india is concerned in terms of safeguarding its interest and promoting common good that the un is indispensable is uncontested despite the clamor for reference to strengthen its role as prime minister jawaharlal nehru once observed in his address to the un general assembly on december 20 1956 of course Even if the United Nations did not do anything wonderful the mere fact of the United Nations itself has been of great significance to the world membership and faces seven and a half decades of india at the un may be viewed with a reference to roughly three distinct phases in the first phase until the end of the cold war in 1989 india had learned the ropes of exploring and enhancing its diplomatic influence as a moderating force in easing armed conflicts in Asia and Africa by disentangling them from the superpower rivalry in parallel the indian leadership learned the hard way that the un could not be relied upon to impartially resolve vital security disputes such as jammu and kashmir As such it strove to utilize the UN only to focus on common causes such as anti-colonialism anti-racism nuclear disarmament environment conservation and equitable economic development India in a clever way seemed to claim the moral high grounds by promo- proposing in 1988 a bold but obviously impractical three phase plan to eliminate nuclear weapons from the surface of the earth but it resisted attempts by neighboring countries to raise bilateral problems this was reflected during the bangladesh liberation war and after in essence a loss of face for india in the 1962 border war against china meant a definitive redesign redesign of the country's diplomatic style to privilege bilateral contacts over the third party rule by the un a demanding decade the 1990s spelled the most difficult decade for india in the world body As the years were marked by the sudden end of the Cold War, the disintegration of the Soviet Union, and the resultant emergence of the United States as an unrivaled power in world politics, 
Besides the uncertain political climate caused by the unstable coalition governments along with the balance of payments crisis constrained the country's capability to be active in various bodies especially in the security council and the general assembly there was a change in india's foreign policy which was reflected in voting patterns at the un to cite a few example india showed pragmatism in enabling the toughest terms on iraq even after eviction from occupied kuwait or in reversing the hitherto stated position on zionism as a racism at the same time growing militancy in kashmir in the early 1990s emboldened pakistan to internationalize the dispute with accusation about gross human rights violation by india clearly india had to work hard to seek favors from iran and china in the human rights commission to checkmate pakistan the threat posed to respect for sovereignty principle by nato intervention against yugoslavia in 1999 without the authorization of the unsc deeply disturbed india but its efforts in partnership with russia and china to call for an end to aerial attacks did not garner much support in the unsc furthermore furthermore the extent of india's diplomatic difficulties was exposed when it suffered a humiliating defeat in the hands of japan in the 1996 contest for a non-permanent seat in the unsc this however did not mean that india could not draw red lines on questions of serious consequences to its security india india resolutely stood against indefinite extensions of the non proliferation uh, proliferation treaty in 1995 and it stoutly rejected the backdoor introduction for adoption of the comprehensive test ban treaty in 1996 It is notable that that these two developments at the UN perhaps pushed India to surprise the world in 1998 with its Pokhran nuclear weapon test ignoring the likely adverse reaction from the nuclear club winds of change remarkably the 21st century opened new avenues for India to shine at the UN the impressive economic performance in the first decade thanks to economic liberalization globalization policies helped a great deal in strengthening its profile this is only aided by its reliable and substantial troop contribution to several peacekeeping operations in african conflict theaters alongside india has emerged as a responsible stakeholder in non-traditional security issue areas such as the spread of small and light weapons the threat of non-state actors acquiring weapons of mass destruction and the impact of climate change in a related dimension india has scaled up its contributions to development and humanitarian agencies while india's share to the un assist budget has registered a hike from 0.34% to 0.83% Finally India's growing popularity is evident in the successful electoral contest for various prestigious slots in the UNSC the Human Rights Council the World Court and functional commissions of Economic and Social Council 
at times defeating the nominees of China and the United Kingdom. However, two major initiatives India has heavily invested in are stuck without much hope of a timely outcome. The first relates to the draft comprehensive convention on international terrorism it drafted and revised with the hope of helping consensus but it encountered reservation from among islamic and other countries on provisions regarding definition of terrorist and the convention's application to state armed forces security council expansion Equally important is the question of equitable expansion of the UNSC to enable India to attain permanent membership along with other claimants from Asia, Africa and Latin America. The move has been stuck for more than 25 years because of a lack of unity among the regional formation. It also includes stout opposition from some 30 middle powers such as Italy and Pakistan which fear losing out to regional rivals in the event of an addition of permanent seats and then trugs masterminded by one or two permanent members although india enjoys by far the greatest support the only realistic possibility seems to settle for a compromise that is a new category of members elected for a longer duration than the present non permanent members without veto power India's future role will probably depend on its ability to weather the impact of the multiple crises it now faces on account of an unabated economic slowdown and troubled relationship with China. This is pertinent as India will soon begin its 2-year term as a non-permanent UNSC member January 1st 2021. Its areas of priority will continue to be the upholding of charter principles, mounting effective punitive measures against those who support, finance and sponsor terrorists, besides striving for sec- securing due say to the troop contributing contributing countries in the management of these operations. It is reasonable to assume based on earlier patterns that India will key question wherever possible. but it may opt to abstain along with other members including one or two permanent members once in the seat in the midst of the currently volatile situation as characterized by the trump administration's disdain towards multilateral institutions the changing us china equation china's growing political isolation on account of the spread of the novel coronavirus and china's aggressive territorial forays in eastern ladakh and the south china sea india may face challenges and opportunities in the unsc in an unlikely scenario of china succeeding in convening a formal meeting on kashmir to please pakistan india may have to choose either to abstain in the vote since it is a party to the dispute or vote against any unfavorable proposal that might be tabled Exercising the latter option would be the first of its kind in India's voting record at the UNSC. On the other hand, the growing proximity with the US may prompt India not to stay neutral in order to counterbalance China. CSR Murthy taught till recently at the School of International Studies, Jawaharlal Nehru University, New Delhi. He is author of the book India in the United Nations: Interplay of Interests and Principles. Thank you all. Happy preparation.
Hi everybody the second article of the day is Metrics of world happiness and the Muslims of India In an age of majoritarianism the RSS chief's recent statement could help reassure reassure the community of its standing This article is written by Fazan Mustafa Rashtriya Swayamsevak Sangh chief Mohan Bhagwat has again reiterated his oft repeated statement that the happiest muslim in the world are in India but for the muslims of india a comparison to islamic countries is of no relevance at all in any case india should compare itself with the scandinavian scandinavian countries rather than some of the regressive muslim regimes indian muslims will be more concerned about the health of indian democracy and how far the country is upholding or violating the high values enshrined in the constitution importantly mr bhagwat in a clear departure from the hindutva stand has asserted that constitution nowhere says only hindus can live in india or that to live in india one has to accept the supremacy of hindus he has also tried to demolish the hindutva theory of muslim rule being exclusively muslim rule by citing the battle of haldighati between the moguls and rajputs when he said many muslims were on the side of maharana pratap singh and fought against the mughal army led by another rajput raja man singh mr bhagwat has repeatedly said that muslims are equal citizens of this country while hindutva has been historically making a distinction between indigenous religions and abrahamic religions his statement of hindus not having any superior status in the constitution is not only consistent with the vision of the constitution but also signifies abandoning the idea of declaring india as a hindu rashtra through a welcome departure from the stated stated position one should not overnight expect a break from the past on every issue any change in the long held position of the organization can only be gradual how do we assess happiness in the 8th world happiness report of 2020 released in march India is ranked 144 out of 153 countries. The first 5 rank goes to Finland, Denmark, Switzerland, Iceland and Norway respectively. Even India's neighbors are ahead. Bangladesh that is 107, Sri Lanka 130, Nepal 92 and Pakistan 66. The unhappiest people are in Afghanistan 153, South Sudan 152, Zimbabwe 151, Rwanda 150. and the central african republic 149 key concerns in the country the variables taken into account include general well-being positive emotions supplemental life circumstances and social environment inequalities unemployment low incomes discrimination gdp per capita life expectancy freedom generosity and absence of corruption in india with 45 year high unemployment rates and over 12.2 crore people losing jobs during the lockdown phase more indians not just muslims are today worried and unhappy and happy than ever before dalits face rising atrocities against them farmers are unhappy about the enactment of new farm laws laws labor unions are disappointed with the new labor code and civil society activists are frustrated over the denial of civil liberties latest fcra amendment and the judiciary's reluctance to even promptly hear habeas corpus petitions coming back to the report most muslims elsewhere seem happier than indian muslims 
United Arab Emirates 21, Saudi Arabia 27, Bahrain 40, and Kuwait 48, Libya 80, and Malaysia 82. True, Indian Muslims are certainly better off than Muslims in certain Muslim countries due to India's liberal, egalitarian, and secular constitution and Hinduism tolerance. Most Muslim countries are not really democratic and therefore should not be compared with India. In the recently released World Hunger Index 2020, India ranks 94 out of 107 countries. Pakistan 88, Bangladesh 75 are ahead. Both Kuwait and Turkey are in the top 17s. Other rankings are Tunisia 23rd, Saudi Arabia 35, Iran 39 and Jordan 43. On civil liberties, Civil liberties are an important component too in ensuring contentment. India's ranking should worry the RSS chief. In the World Freedom of Press Index 2020, and India was ranked 142 out of 180 countries. Several Muslim countries are ahead. Bosnia, Herzegovina is 58, Kosovo 70, Tunisia 72, and Malaysia 101. In the World Justice Project, rule of law index and it is a grim situation for india a global rank of 69 out of 128 countries factors such as constraints on governmental power open government fundamental rights order and security absence of corruption regulatory enforcement civil justice system and criminal justice system matter with verdicts such as the acquittal of all the accused in the babri masjid demolition case India's rank is unlikely to improve in 2021. Once again, several Muslim countries are ahead even in the rule of law. The UAE is 30, Malaysia is 47, Jordan is 50, Tunisia is 56, Indonesia is 59, and Kazakhstan is 62. Happiness is also closely related to the state of the rule of law. Increasingly, faith in the rule of law is diminishing with some courts becoming more executive-minded than the executive itself. religious freedom finally on freedom of religion the indian constitution grants this freedom to everyone including muslims yet its definition of the term hindu is problematic and is criticized by sects jains and buddhists a denial of scheduled caste status to muslims and dalit christians by presidential order is seen to be discriminatory anti conversion laws of many states require the prior permission of district officials for conversion religion being a purely private matter the state should have no concerns with it changing protesters against the citizenship act and the national register of citizens with offenses under the unlawful activities that is prevention act and alleging so called upsc jihad do have a deleterious effect on the emotional health of muslims with a predominant feeling of being unwanted and alienation even on religious freedom the united states commission on on international religious freedom has downgraded india's ranking in its 2020 report it is scathing when it says india took a sharp downward turn in 2019 the national government used its strengthened parliamentary majority to institute national level policies violating religious freedoms across india especially for muslims 
Strangely, Afghanistan, Sudan, Indonesia and Egypt have better rankings, while India has been clubbed with Iran, Saudi Arabia, Pakistan, North Korea, Syria, Burma and China. Countries of particular concern. The International Religious Freedom Act defines CPCs as countries where the government engages in or tolerates particularly severe violations of the religious freedom. Under US law, these include violations such as torture, degrading treatment, prolonged detentions without charges, and other fragment denial of right to life, liberty, or the security of persons. The RSS chief is also not right in saying that in no other society does an alien religion still survive. Europe, the Americas, Australia, and Africa have Christianity that originated in Jerusalem. Buddhism from India is present in a number of countries. Islam from Saudi Arabia is strong in several European, African and Asian states and Australia. The RSS chief statement that Indian Muslims are the happiest, a lot of Muslims may not be completely true, but it would certainly have the much needed claiming effect in assuring Muslims of their rightful and equal claim to India as their country. In an age of majoritarianism, Mr. Bhagwat can certainly help restore sanity, tolerance and accommodations which were essential attributes of classical Hinduism. He should rein in aggressive Hindutva forces and convince them about the values of diversity and the remarkable contribution that Muslims have made to an Indian civilization. Fizan Mustafa is a Vice-Chancellor, Nalsar University of Law, Hyderabad. The views expressed are as personal. The third article of the day is hitting. As the US election nears, work visas have become policy targets for the White House. The Trump administration has once again tightened the screws on the country's immigration system in a manner that is likely to directly impact Indian companies contracting with American firms for on-site work. This week, the State Department proposed to stop issuing temporary or even business visas relating to occupations normally classified as falling under the H-1B speciality or skilled visa category. The argument is that under the guise of the business-related entry of persona, companies were sending their technology professionals for short-term stays to work on the U.S. jobs, potentially undercutting the wages and employment prospects of U.S. workers. The proposed policy action just ahead of November 3 presidential election is significant for following closely on the heels of others. Similar moves to tighten restrictions on the entry of foreign nationals, including raising the minimum salaries payable to those applying for H-1B visas and to stop the issuance of such visas entirely until December 31, 2020. Taken together, it would be reasonable to expect a painful economic fallout on legal skilled migrants from India. For example, the analysts predict that Mr. Trump's June 22, 2020 ban on new H-1B visa insurance could impact issuance could impact up to 219,000 workers who would be unable to take up potential jobs in the US. To date, there has been no retaliatory policy from India at most 
perhaps diplomatic parleys where south blocs as sort of emphasize the technology and innovation via the trade and service remains a key pillar of the bilateral strategic partnership and highly skilled in the professionals working in the us help bridge this skill gap there imparting a technological and competitive edge In the backdrop of the steady clampdown on visa issuance is Mr Trump's rhetoric on protecting US jobs from foreigners especially in cases where lower wages drive substitution effects the pressure on the white house to increase the cadence of the drum beat for this form of protectionism protectionism has re- risen owing to the pandemic's job killing effects US joblessness spiked to an unprecedented 14.7% in April 2020. While it has dropped off since then, the country has entered the final phase of electoral campaigning, which has been sharp attacks by Democratic challenger Joe Biden on Mr. Trump's alleged failure to mitigate the economic crisis. When considered alongside the fact that Mr. Trump is steadily losing ground in federal and regional opinion polls, it is hardly surprising that areas of legal migration including skilled workers entering the US via the H1B program have become policy targets for the White House it would be wise for indian it firms and others seeking to send their employees to the US for short term work to assume that regardless who wins the election it will be a long time if ever before they can hope to return to the business as usual thank you all happy preparation Hi everybody the last article of the day is taking on the center states aggrieved by central form law laws are adopting both legislative and legal measures Punjab's efforts to enact state amendments to override the effects of the center's new agriculture laws epitomize the difficulties in managing managing the conflict between liberalizing the farm sector and protecting the small and marginal farmers from the agonies of the transition The issue also flags the con- con- consequences of not having a wide and informed debate before introducing far-reaching changes. Punjab has been the hub of the opposition to the center's legislative exercise to change the basics of trade and commerce in agriculture. The Akali Dal, the main opposition in the state, eventually withdrew its cabinet minister and later walked out of the NDA government and the center. Punjab argues that the central acts would cause grave detriment and prejudice to agricultural communities. The bill cite an agriculture census of 2015 to 16 to argue that 86.2% of farmers own less than 5 acres. a majority of them less than 2 acres and that with limited or no access to multiple markets they would be handicapped while negotiating fair price contracts with private players making efforts to buy farm produce at less than the msp or harassing farmers in a bid to persuade them to enter into such contracts have been sought to be made punishable offenses with a jail term of at least 3 years The bill also seeks to overturn the center's move to remove the fee on trade and transactions that take place outside market functioning under APMCs. 
A key issue raised by Punjab's proposed amendments is whether they are legally valid and whether they can stand in the teeth of the center's legislation. States can indeed amend central laws enacted under the concurrent list subject to the conditions that provisions repugnant to the parliamentary acts would will have to get the president's assent without which they do not come into the force the punjab bills note that the agriculture is under the legislative domain on the states as a subject falls under the state list in the seventh schedule the center has enacted its farm sector bills by invoking entry 33 b in the concurrent list which concerns trade and commerce in and production supply and distribution of food stuffs by stretching the entries meaning meaning to include agriculture parliament has managed to pass laws in domain of the states in these circumstances states aggrieved by the farm sector laws will either have to go to the punjab way to adopt bills that would require presidential assent or rajasthan or as rajasthan has decided to do or challenge the validity of the central laws in the supreme court as chatisgarh is said to be considering with whatever the outcome clear from the groundswell of opposition across the country is that kevelia and centralized approach to issue that affect millions of farmers ill serves a diverse country thank you all happy preparation the analysis of the newspaper will be here soon